0: Welcome everybody to Future of Beauty unfiltered podcast. I am your host Hannah Cook and today we are on episode 12. I cannot believe we have got 12 episodes in such a short space of time but lucky number 12 today I'm very very excited to be talking to Dr. Kristen Newman from My Microbiome. Hello Kristen thank you so much for joining us today. Hi Hannah, so nice to be here and thank you for inviting me, so happy. Oh it's uh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, So today we're actually going to be talking about the microbiome within the skin. Um, Now I'm probably going to say things really wrong and silly but that's the whole point of today (laughs) is um, that you can kind of help clarify any of those questions because I definitely know as a consumer I have, uh, microbiome is a word that I think is thrown around a lot in the beauty industry. A lot of brands will be talking about how it has a positive effect somehow on the microbiome of your skin. As a consumer, if I'm really honest with myself, I still am not quite 100% sure on what it actually is. So I'm going to just before we jump into the questions, are you able to explain a little bit about what you do and your background, not just at My Microbiome, but how did you even get into this space in the first place? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm a microbiologist by learning and um, I was always curious on
1: how, how life works and about the little tiny things in our bodies. And uh, that's why I studied microbiology and I was before I started my microbiome, I was working in a company that was actually uh, working against microbes, Uh, we were developing antimicrobial um, enzymes that would work selectively and in this uh, work I saw because we could selectively tackle the pathogenic microbes that and leave the rest alone, the microbiome, and we, we could see, for example, with wounds how fast they were suddenly healing uh, and before they persisted for uh, months or even years and that was kind of the point where i decided okay we have to do something about the topic about the microbiome because um, earlier it, it was 2017 there were so many people surrounding me even scientists that were not aware of the microbiome and then mm. didn't even know that there was a microbiome on the skin mm. so that was the starting point for my microbiome
0: and for those unaware like me <laughs> um can you kind of explain what microbiome is and the role that it plays in a person's not just a person's skin but actually their overall health
1: yeah so the microbiome the, the word itself it means the, gen, the genes all genes of all microbes that live on our body it's bacteria, mostly bacteria, but also fungi, viruses, also little um, eukaryotes, little worms you can uh, think of. And um, it sounds disgusting, but they are here. going to say, worms, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and they're colonizing all our body, and our body is like a planet. We have a lot of different ecosystems on our body. There are different temperatures, pHs, sebum contents, uh, humidities, um, hair follicles, and vaginations. Like the gut is completely different from our skin, but even on the skin, you can find different ecological niches dry sebacchus and uh, moist areas for in the underarm, for example, and they are all colonized differently with the microbiome or with the microbes we say. And yeah, they are, it sounds disgusting, but they are actually, we need them to survive and probably have heard about the gut microbiome, um, but we have it kind of everywhere where we ha- are in contact with our environment. And of course, on the skin and on the scalp everywhere on our body and it's our we're living in tight symbiosis with it and it's our first line of defense so you have to kind of think of it of a um, shield that is protecting us from pathogenic invaders they are able to to actively um, uh, act against those and but they're also working closely together with our immune system they're educating it on one hand but also stimulate it when there's danger ahead and um, but they also help us breaking down nutrients um, so without our microbiome we wouldn't be able to digest what we eat
0: wow so um there's a lot to take in there i mean obviously the skin is the biggest organ that we have in our body in our body on our body um and um i think you just kind of look at it at face value as what it is it's just it's something that absorbs and that's it but actually like you've rightly said there are so many pollutants within the environment even down to kind of like sometimes the air fresheners in the house that we use or anything else that um if we didn't have this microbiome within our skin we would just absorb everything um good and bad right so particularly with the microbiome on the skin um are there kind of any key elements that it's really there to do is it more just to protect the skin's barriers
1: it's a very it's cl-
0: very closely working
1: with the skin's barrier so um the skin barrier if it, the skin barrier is intact normally the microbiome is also intact and vice versa but if the skin care barrier is impaired we also see that the microbiome is out of whack, or the microbiome if it's going to into dysbiosis because of what we do to it, it can also lead to an impaired skin barrier, and that is the problem we face mm-hmm. now. So for example, the, the bacteria and the microbiome, they release acids, for example, so they make our uh, skin uh, pH uh, very acidic, and that's also important for the skin barrier. And if we use too much soap, for example, that's on one hand alkalic, but also, um, killing of the microbes and they are they have a they're releasing a lot of metabolites but also work together with the immune system to they shape our body's physiology um towards the way it needs to be so it and in the way in a state into a stable state and Mm -hmm. without the
0: microbes and this strong interaction it this wouldn't be possible you mentioned um is it dysbiosis a couple of times there what exactly is that that's a
1: disbalanced microbiome so that's the word we use in uh, reference to the microbiome if you hear here the word dysbiosis it means the microbiome is out of balance and that um, leads kind of to the next point because we don't know yet a lot about it actually so we know there's some um microbes that are if they are overgrowing others then that might be harmful but it's actually not easy to say that there's bad and good microbes because every good microbe can also become bad because it's um, overgrowing others thus uh, reducing them and then the functionality of the whole microbiome is not there anymore as it should be. Mm.
0: And. Um- so a lot of brands out there talk about having microbiome friendly products right and they are key for um it's kind of a keyword it's a key phrase it's something that people very much lay their brand's identity on uh, sometimes um and that's kind of a really big factor for the health and well-being industry but how what why are they so important firstly for the health and well-being industry, uh, products that are microbiome friendly, and then secondly, what are the key factors that help determine whether they're friendly or not? Yeah, so the the yeah. the, the problem with the cosmetics or everything we use uh, in a
1: daily uh, on a daily basis is that they are potentially harmful for the microbiome, especially when they're. Um, um, containing a lot of ingredients that are potentially antibacterial. For example, if we have a lotion uh, which is water-based, you of course need to eat at preservatives in order to make them stable and there's nothing growing in there because that's something we don't want. And, but these uh, preservatives they can also not only act against microbes in the cream, but also on our skin. Um, and um, it depends, of course, there are pro- products out there that contain preservatives are, but are still mild, so we there. they really need to be um, formulated in a very intelligent way, but um, like the mainstream products out there that are just a few euros, they are mostly uh, packed with preservatives more than necessary and they will harm us, but there's also other um, ingredients like uh, ethanol or um, essential oils like everything that is antibacterial that can also have an effect on our microbiome and we need to be aware of that and every time we buy a product we should have a look at the ingredient list and of course it's not easy, but at least give uh, have an idea of what is in there, and even if you don't understand half of it, if you don't understand half of it, maybe don't buy it. But if the list is not too long and you kind of can see it looks kind of mild then you're already Mm -hmm. on the safe side, but of course it's not tested if it's not Mm -hmm. carrying some stamp
0: or seal as we provide, for example. So, and uh, this might seem like a silly question, but it's a really obvious one to me, which is um, why shouldn't we be putting products on our skin that have a load of preservatives in? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: uh, well, that's, that's uh, up to everyone um, which products you need, really, or which products make you feel better. But uh, in my opinion, we need a lot less products than we actually use um and uh, this is also a good point that uh, rethinking your skincare and the products that you're using and maybe use less products overall
0: that would also be a good start I'd love that um I'd love to understand a bit more about why you feel that way obviously you you see a lot of different variations but why do you think people should be using less because you're right we use So many products now, whether it's for, I mean, last night I had, just as a prime example, I did my moisturize. I put a bit of tan on because I was feeling pale because I'm still in winter. I put a hair treatment on and then I washed my face this morning and put about four different products on. That's quite a lot. If you really sit there and actually look through the amount of products that you put on your skin and body across a period of time, let alone all of the chemicals and things that you consume through artificial foods it's quite a lot so why why do you have a view that we should be using less well because then the less you use the lower the chance
1: that uh, these ingredients and products might harm you wherever so as as you said it's not only uh, cosmetic products but also the food you eat the 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 environment you're in Um, if you use cleansers in the house and everything or it's actually good to have a dog for example that's uh, uh, something that it's positive influencing your microbiome but the more you use the more products or ingredients and uh, you put on your body and the more of an impact
0: it will it will have really i mean so i have a very large stinky dog laying next to me right now so why why is it good to have a dog well they seem to be
1: very rich in their microbiome and um, it's uh, every and, uh, if it lives in your house then you're sharing this microbiome and uh, yeah, it's good for you to have some more richness in your microbiome then.
0: Absolutely. Um, I do think you're absolutely on to something. One of the um one of the questions that I actually had for you, which leads me on very nicely, is um over the past decade, claims for products around restoring microbiome have, have soared, right? And it definitely feels like microbiome um and again just to emphasize microbiome isn't just on the skin it's in your gut it's literally kind of your your defenses your communicators it's everything for your your body um has very much become a much love industry buzzword like i said right in the beginning i've heard about this word so many times but i don't feel like i fundamentally understand it um Do you have any views on this and any advice to consumers on the questions they should be asking brands before investing in these products when they make the claims around restoring microbiome?
1: Yes, so that's really a good question actually because restoring or rebalancing or improving the microbiome is very hard, if not even impossible to sustain because the microbiome topic is so complex Uh, we don't even know which is the perfectly healthy microbiome because everyone's microbiome is different. Plus, we have uh, so many different areas on the body. So which microbiome are you actually talking about? Is it the ones in this pore or is it this this pore or is it in the hair follicles or is it underarm or this area of the face or whatever? So it's it's not easy or actually almost not possible to have one product that is um, improving a a microbiome because there's not only one and we have we are all different so your microbiome might be fine for you but maybe it would be bad for me um so and i believe there will never be a gold standard microbiome because we can have different uh, microbes but they can't have the same functions plus the research in the microbiome field is very superficial still we don't go much into depth, so we don't actually know about every microbe on the skin and its detailed function so and even if a product tells that it is increasing staphylococcus epidermidis which is one that we know is very abundant on our skin but if it's increasing i don't know if it's good or not good because it's maybe too much then and how much increasing is good and that's one point unless you have a um, condition like acne or eczema and you know okay you have to reduce staphylococcus aureus he's a bad guy and we want to erase it that's good that's fine or cutibacterium acnes but here it's getting
0: complicated again because there's so many words coming out i'm like wow Do you know what you've mentioned eczema really quickly i was having a discussion this morning actually with someone on our team she's very passionate about eczema um and um because it's something that she personally suffers with and i think particularly when people should be paying attention to their microbiome are as you've mentioned when people actually have issues and something isn't working the way you would expect so a lot of the time um, particularly with like childhood eczema as, a, as an example it it can be horrendous and i i mean i actually know one of my best friends little boys has i've i've heard him in tears from the the frustration of itchiness that comes with eczema and you know we had a podcast recently with uh, sarah Carolides, who's a nutritionist and she actually was talking about fish oils and the benefit that has so again you're supporting the internal microbiomes, but there are still external ones on the skin. And a lot of the time GPs in particular are choosing to try and treat those issues with either steroids or, you know, topical ointments, you know, for people that do genuinely have issues like that, what do you think the best approach would, would be to try and understand where it's going wrong? So that's really difficult actually, because it's not, um,
1: so I have, my kids have the same problems here and there not so not as bad as you told but it's really um, annoying and you can do whatever and then yeah so you can start with the nutrition but also think about what are you applying on the skin so of course you would not apply to harsh products and uh, only use mild products and you have to moisturize them so if you moisturize them use something that's really really mild and wouldn't um, harm the microbiome
0: but when you say mild what defines what makes it mild like is it perfume is it preservative you've mentioned a few times you know i know a lot of people talk about e-numbers and things like that you know what what is it that makes a product mild
1: well if it has really few ingredients only and um, the ingredients are known to be non-irritant and if you're going for a product that is um, good for sensitive skin it's already a good uh, way to look at but not necessarily always good so if I look in my pharmacy at the products that are in there it's horrible I wouldn't buy them oh really yeah any reason because some of them some of them have really long and harsh ingredients list although they are they're uh, stating to be to be mild and uh, good for sensitive skin so you really have to look at in the inky list and um yeah ideally you would have a product that is called or certified microbiome friendly but if it's not then i would really go and uh, find a product that has only a few ingredients and um, like really rich in moisturizing and um and but it's not possible to only solve the problem via a uh, topical application you really have to look at the whole lifestyle diet is key but i see with my kids it's not easy they're just not eating what uh, they should eat so mm-hmm. they ha- i think with kids you have to go through that phase uh, until uh, the hormones and their skin is changing and then it's getting better but um Of course, there are some technologies out there that are specifically tackling uh, stuff aureus. So these might be the future for eczema, at least to relieve the symptoms. Mm. Of course, we have our genetics that are also contributing to it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's funny, the more people that I speak to in different areas, the the more it's glaringly obvious that the success of kind of the, the beauty and wellness industry is go is factored around the ability to integrate with a holistic lifestyle, a better lifestyle. And I know that sounds like I'm stating the obvious, right? Live a better lifestyle, and you'll have a better life. But we still have issues even in schools. I mean, I've spoke to so many people about this where I mean, I was having this debate with my mum actually yesterday, funnily enough, we were ranting about picking schools for my son. And um, I said, I still i don't use pythagoras theorem and i remember losing two terms of it at school understanding it what i would like to do is see the curriculum teaching people how to cook you know nutrition looking after themselves as you've mentioned but what ingredients in life generally should you avoid um and that is a significant challenge i think within the industry a lot of the time do you see that a lot in kind of the communication because you do work with a lot of brands um you know and you spend a lot of time trying to help people understand where they can make a difference and, and where their product really is um, supporting in the right ways and uh, again it's transitioned on to my next question lovely which is you know do you, do you think the industry can do more to help educate its customers on the role of microbiome friendly products with, within the beauty and wellness category
1: so i think yeah one big problem uh, we see with the brand and the industry is that there's a lot of irritation Or confusion around the claim as around the word microbiome. And then there's a lot of claiming, and then there's certain ingredients they're using to to, um, make the customer think it is something that's good for the microbiome. For example, pro, pre, and postbiotics that are really um, products or ingredients that are. going through a hype currently probably so I think it's going uh, coming less but still the, the customer sees there's a probiotic in this product and it's doing something good but there's no science behind those probiotics in most cases mm. um, and even the, the, diff, the, the, the definition of those words is not used in the right way so there's even so probiotics should be or are microbes that are alive and there's maybe five brands out there in the world that really have live microbes in their products because it's really hard to, mm. to maintain them alive in a product a cosmetic product that's not the environment they're usually living in mm. and there are all other products on the market out there they're just not probiotics but it's the wrong word they're using so that's one thing and then as we discussed already with the improvement rebalancing restoring a microbiome and then In most cases you don't see any data behind, so that is something I would give uh, to the customer, if you are interested in a microbiome product, whatever it does to microbiome. Look at the data, if you find data that's nice, of course you need to understand the data and, but in most cases you don't find data behind the claims and if you don't find any data I would buy the product.
0: Mm. Well, it's really interesting um, that you mentioned that because um, so a client um, of ours, we actually used to work with Simproof, which is obviously a gut based probiotic. Um, And I would say that microbiome and the phrase has now somehow through, I guess, time been more connected to gut. So it's kind of seen as an internal But as you've mentioned, it's not just internal. Actually, there's billions and millions of of elements all over our skin Um, and different products and things that we use interact. One of the things I've always found really interesting. So I take Simprove um, and actually it's got to be kept in the fridge. You know, it's got to be looked after in, in a certain way, consumed at a certain time. It's very prescriptive on when you should take it, how you should take it um and when i follow it correctly (laughs) it works right but if i don't follow the rules um i definitely notice a difference and one of the things i learned when i started kind of doing my own research into gut health um is that a lot of these products particularly in the supermarket like the milks and things you know they're in there but actually they can't make it through your body's digestion system and everything else so as soon as it actually enters your body majority of the bacteria and the microbiomes that are doing good they don't make it through to the end i think that's half the problem isn't it is these kind of it's it's not closely regulated at the end result stage yes it is in there at the, at the point of purchase but actually is it doing the thing you need it to um with i just had a thought while you were talking actually which was around the topical side so we talk about microbiome friendly products i think gut health is products you know like um oh gosh and i can't pick any of them that you can think of activia like all these yogurts and things like that um everyone's talking about it from that point of view from consumption but what about topically are there any kind of key products that you should be thinking about why would you be why should you be thinking about your microbiome from a topical point of view on your skin
1: so from my point of view actually i wouldn't take like think about probiotics when uh thinking about the microbiome also for the gut because as you said for there's just a really small amount of products out there on the market with real good data and clinical studies that prove to be um, working for a specific condition And the same goes for the skin or even more like we have even less data for the skin on this so when thinking about the microbiome i would also always go when looking at the skin for a product if i if i use a product at all so first of all think about if you need a product and if you need one then it should be mild to the microbiome and not harm it so it should be microbiome friendly if you go for the gut, it should be the food you eat and the, the, the richer and diverse, more diverse and, and fresher and less processed, it is the better. So that's how I would think about the microbiome to not uh, to either nourish it via the gut, because we also have a gut-skin axis. And of course, our gut health is reflecting on our skin. And we know that when eating too much crap, our, our skin also looks bad. So so, so this is also when you think about your skin microbiome, you should think about what you're eating, are you drinking enough water, things like that, the holistic view. Mm,
0: absolutely. Um, one thing that I love about My Microbiome um, is that it actually aims to challenge the current industry standards when it comes to the products that are available um we obviously spoke about where this all kind of originally came from right even the scientists and people that you were working with it didn't really connect can you talk us through how my microbiome sorry we're talking about microbiome so much now how my microbiome is actually bringing clarity to um a quite confused and unregulated market so what are you guys doing that's making the difference
1: yeah, so first of all that's how we started we create uh, or we give education to the customers with our website um we that's still our uh, it's very important to us to have education so the customer is aware of that there is a microbiome plus that their products and their in their daily life that they're using and their lifestyle is influencing it so that's the first thing and this is, I think, something that we do quite long already, and also our clients um, are doing a great job, actually. And then, of course, the, the next thing uh, that we do is that we develop a test that is actually um, giving you uh, uh, the result or the, the, the idea of how your product is uh, able to harm the microbiome or not. So... Um, we give the brands a tool in, uh, to, to control their products um, if they are um, microbiome friendly or not, if they are safe for the microbiome. So, um, yeah, we develop this test. We give a certification if the products pass this test and they can have a seal on their products, on their website. And um, this is something that distinguishes them from everything else that is out there and not having data.
0: And if a company had a product, I'm trying to think of like an example, let's say, um, let's say it's a, it's topical ointment, right? And they, they want to be able to say that it is microbiome friendly. Um, how would you guys also then make recommendations on, let's say, it not as friendly as they want it to be? What changes to the formulations would need to be made? Like, you know, or is it a case of pass or fail and go through that process? Because obviously, as you said, Everyone's different, everyone has so you've kind of you've you can't you've got to be as blanket as possible um with the most common microbiomes
1: yeah so we we do give them advice because we have tested over four hundred products so far, and we have some experience now we can tell them okay, this ingredient uh, might cause problems and maybe you reduce the concentration here a little bit or completely um, kick out this ingredient. Um, so we do that and this is uh, very often also asked by our clients before they even start the testing so that is something that is gaining more and more um, attention in, in our clients that are approaching us so they or sometimes they even approach us before they even launch their skincare and they want to be sure that what they're launching is microbiome friendly so they work very close together with us and we look at their ingredients and give advice how they should proceed. And then, of course, we have to test it. We always, in the end, you have to test if it's really microbiome friendly or not. Mm.
0: Are there there any key ingredients that you're seeing consistently skincare brands in particular should just avoid? Well, the most, um, the the biggest influence
1: we see actually are surfactants. Surfactants that in in washes or shampoos are the the biggest issues on on our, our microbes. And it's really not easy to to develop a wash or shampoo which is microbiome friendly, but for all other products, for uh, lotions or ointments, of course, less is more again. But um, as I said, preservatives are not
0: automatically a problem; they should be just balanced out in the right way, um, so it's not too harmful. Um and um. Just for anyone that's curious, what is a surfactant? Yeah, well, it's a washing agent. Or how would you say
1: it's like, like a cleanser? A cleanser that is causing foam on your skin, or also um, acids like peelings, chemical peelings. This is something that you actually shouldn't do if you think about the microbiome, because peeling is one on one hand uh, harming the microbes, and on the other hand, uh, removing all the dead skin cells on your skin which Mm. is actually food for your microbiome so but i understand why you want to do it i also did this because your skin looks really good afterwards (laughs) it's it's naked you removed everything and that's why it looks like new and fresh but you actually took away all the protection from your skin
0: wow so i mean i've even things like it's really interesting that you said that i'm just thinking out loud here of um i think acid exfoliants uh, serums, even kind of the, the kind of, um, granular type salt-based exfoliants and things like that. They've definitely kicked off, um, more than ever before. I think people are always trying to kind of remove that dead layer of skin in derma, dermaplaning, microblading, all these different, um, techniques on how to remove this face fuzz, they call it the peach fuzz and the skin and everything else. But actually, are we just taking away the food? for the bacteria in our body yeah, and our, the protection of our skin. So it's, it's not there just because
1: uh, we have to remove it, but it's, it's, it should stay there.
0: Oh gosh.
1: That's a whole new way of thinking. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. And if you do it, like just maybe once a month should be enough.
0: So when you first started kind of learning about all this stuff, how did it change your own routines?
1: Well, actually, I have to admit, I didn't
0: have any routines
1: ever in my life because I was always very skeptical about the cosmetics industry and about products. I never believed just by an inner feeling that these products would ever do something to my skin unless, of course, I use makeup or something that's changing appearance. But Mm -hmm. Um, in contrast to my mother she used a lot of very very expensive creams from very you know uh, high class uh, brands and I was was like no they're not what should they do and I was always thinking of course it makes more sense to live healthy to eat healthy and more of these things than having but of course I had a moisturizer I changed my moisturizer actually did you yeah and I don't cleanse my face
0: with cleansers but usually only with oils. Oils? Wow. So like essential oils, like a like a lavender oil, or is it what no kind of a No, oil? Like a
1: mild oil, like a little bit of a little bit of a little bit
0: of a little how do you little bit
1: of a little bit from a little bit of a what bit of a I bit of a little bit I will it will come later some um, beauty blogger she's kind of also attacking the beauty industry that actually we don't need all this stuff um, she's uh, Jennifer what is her name
0: I'll, I'll, send, I'll send it over
1: later it's, yeah okay and so what's she saying recommended jojoba oil for example and manuka honey um, I'll send over the name later
0: and and how do you find it
1: Uh, It was actually, she was working together with one of our clients, uh, Crude, uh, in in the States. Crude was the first company um, we certified a wash from and their their wash is only oil-based and um, it's it's cleansing via like an oily appearance, oily milky kind of. Mm -hmm. it's, It's completely microbiome friendly. Um, also on baby skin uh, or b- baby microbes, and um, they were working with her. Jennifer.
0: Is it Jennifer Raincloud? No, no, no. She's from the US as well. Oh, see, we got loads of people we're chatting about now. <laughs> To be fair, I have to say there are a lot of celebrities speaking out at the moment about being very anti-cleanser. Um, I know people like, um, or who are typically always well known for the kind of that youthful skin, like Jennifer. Jessica Defino. What was it? Sorry, Jessica. Jessica Defino. Jessica Defino. Okay, and what's she? But so she's basically really anti. Um, she's very
1: um, on skin health and um kind of um challenging the beauty industry she's a, a, a journalist and uh, writes blogs about um yeah what what we actually do to our bodies
0: with um the wow. and procedures amazing well there we go we've got to try some new oils now as cleansers instead i know macadamia oil is something that get used is used quite a lot um in a lot of products so that's yeah. uh, that's a really interesting one um Okay, a little bit of a a technical question now. I'm hoping I'm going to say this right. Is it vitro? In vitro, yeah. Yeah. Can you explain the role of in vitro In your testing process and obviously maybe start with what it actually is (laughs) so in there's um usually one is talking
1: about in vitro in vivo and ex vivo so in vitro means that uh, everything uh, that is tested depend no matter what is in the laboratory and uh, and it um is for with us the bacteria we're working with are cultivated in the lab we're not uh, they were once uh, isolated from somewhere or someone and then they were uh, stored in a, in a data in a, in, a, in, a, in a strain bank and then you can always take the same strain and work with it uh, or for cell lines the same if you go in vivo you do everything on even either humans or animals that is in, in real life kind of and ex vivo is that you take a sample from a life either animal or human and then test something in the lab. And so we do in vitro because we as a certification, we need to do everything in a standardized way. So we always have to test with the same strains, with the same bacteria and fungi. And if we would do this in vivo, we could not be able to, to standardize it because um, everyone we would test on would be different every for every test we make we cannot compare product to product and. um, As I said, the microbiome is very complex, even if I see something that is developing or changing in the microbiome I wouldn't know if it's a good thing or not, or it's. Mm. it's microbiome friendly or not microbiome friendly like this, and if you want to really have like good uh, a good database and a really meaningful outcomes, you would have to test a lot of participants and over a long time to really give, give an idea, get an idea. And that's why everything we do is in vitro. Um, it's a standardized way. And it's actually the area that I'm coming from because we tested antibacterials also in that way. And that's how you look at um, substances, if they have an effect on certain microbes or not. And that's the, the most direct way how to see if the microbes on your skin
0: are being harmed by the products that we test i guess as well it actually allows for that kind of stamp of yes everything is is as friendly as it can be because you it's the closest you're going to get to that apples for apples comparison when you're looking at ingredients rather than outcomes um i guess because that's a lot of it isn't it it's your because everyone's microbiomes are so different and like your fingerprints very much custom to you you can only base it on the ingredients that are being used um, and the impact it will have on the microbiomes when it's all kind of together like a cocktail, right? Yeah, um, yeah right, yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, we understand that the core focus for my microbiome has predominantly been within the cosmetics industry, um, but it actually has long-term aspirations to test and certify products across a range of categories, right? Because as we've spoke about today, microbiome isn't just skin, it's also it's inside it's outside so you know supplements foods for gut claims and also textiles so again eczema is a prime example triggered quite often by the clothes that you're wearing yeah. um tell me a bit more about this because I I love this I want to hear more yeah so we just recently launched our textiles certification. Because
1: as you said, um, and one of them, the, the, our co-founder, Tanya, uh, she has a very sensitive skin and she has some uh, clothes that she cannot wear because she's getting uh, breakouts from that. So it's really um, also textiles we're wearing it the whole day and especially uh, underwear or baby clothes, but also um, bedlining. Uh, will have an effect on our skin's microbiome, so we're testing this now as well. Um, we see that uh, actually almost every textile has some influence on the microbes in this or that direction. And but we also text, test test uh, female or not female, but hy- hygiene products. But uh, we are now working with a company that is a pioneer with tampons. They made it completely from algae, and they wanted to make, be microbiome friendly. They're also from wow. Germany. Yeah, so that's a nice area. Like the female health is also something that is very interesting currently.
0: It's interesting as well, I think, when you reference specifically female health. We talk about this a lot on the podcast. And it's not that we don't care about you guys, men. We love men's health, but I think women's health in particular, there are so many stages, you know, our hormones change a lot more throughout our throughout a month. Not forget yeah. forget a lifetime, throughout a month our hormones change massively and obviously that is impacted by everything else within our body the sensitivities in our skin inside and outside our hair our nails everything um so I think intimate health algae and tampons I don't know how I feel about that it sounds very strange how Where do you know where that kind of concept has come from Uh, I
1: think it's also from kind of the waste aspect and being uh, ocean friendly, Mm. but also having like algae has uh, is also gaining momentum in the cosmetics industry. There's a lot of algae ingredients uh, for cosmetics as well. So, and it's a source that is easily um, growable in the in the like big containers in fermenters. So, um yeah, I think algae has, is a great uh, natural source for, for for different products.
0: Are there any other key ingredients that kind of spring to mind when you're thinking about what's up and coming in the industry? I know, I mean, I saw something on mushrooms the other day. We <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> actually work with one company that is uh, creating leather from mushrooms, bolt threads, they, but they also have other products. And yeah, that's something that is really... Um, it's not yet completely mainstream, but they're working with big companies like Adidas and uh, Stella McCartney.
0: Wow. They're cool, yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's so much out there at the moment, isn't there? Um, This is a completely silly question, but it totally came into my head when you were talking about testing linen and I'm thinking about kind of, dead skin and microbiome the biggest debate is how often should people change their bedding when it comes to (laughs) making sure that because well this is the thing silk pillowcases is a prime example right there's this massive rise of silk pillowcases within the industry because people are saying how it's having a positive impact on the youthfulness of your face because obviously cotton's absorbing the oils from your skin and everything else um what are your thoughts on silk pillowcases do you have any i don't, think,
1: I don't know because uh, what we see in the laboratory actually silk is a very great breeding ground for the microbes really the microbes love silk really? they grow into the silk
0: oh god don't tell me that i've got silk pillowcases <laughs> oh i guess you want that though right because your micro they're everywhere
1: yeah well it depends on which microbes grow there of course so what we've tested in the lab is only the the good skin microbes and it won't harm you probably if they're uh, there but of course there's other things growing in the the bed linen uh, you want there's these little uh, mites like uh, you don't want them too much in your bed so i would change them like every two weeks or so but then you should think about the detergents that you're using to wash it because then you again this detergent will remain on the bed sheets for some at some concentration, and then you will be again in, in contact with that. That is also harming your microbiome again. So that's something we also do. We uh, we we do test detergents, um, not only the detergents for for textiles, but also for the house and. Um, because that's also impacting your, your skin microbiome, or also your gut microbiome, because if you have something like yeah, you, you spray um, the, the, the cleansing agents, the detergents in your bathroom, for example, but and you inhale them and um, you, you, it's lying down on your food, so you really have to think about everything that you're doing in your daily life, it will have an impact, so
0: It really does. It really, really does. I mean, I I think I would get to the point where I wouldn't know where to look, touch or do if I really thought about it (laughs) at that granular detail. But it is. Supplements in particular, I think, um, so obviously you've mentioned that that's an area that you want to work in. And as we spoke about the whole way through, gut health. I do feel like the industry's done a really good job at aligning microbiomes with gut health. And that's kind of it. Um, But there's so many more things past gut health um in the supplement space where what kind of things would you test or, or are you kind of looking at doing within the supplements so would like collagens is it kind of that far or is it more gut health based
1: well um it, if you want to look at the microbiome i don't know if collagens makes sense but there's a, a big trend arising for nutri cosmetics Mm-hmm. Like indigestible cosmetics, kind of, and that is again going via the gut on the skin. So that's kind of supplements for the gut, and that would reflect on the skin. So that is one topic. But everything around supplements and through the gut and then reflecting on the skin—that's really, really
0: um, complex. And yeah. I mean, nutri cosmetics is is a really interesting one, obviously, because a lot of the time the instant. Um assumption is it's gonna kind of be the core ingredients that support good skin hair and nails right yeah Um, but there's there's so much more in in that well it's easy for for a customer to take a pill and that's it you know then and i think that's still
1: uh, what the people want and um, that's a problem because it's not only the pill you need to look at the whole way of living you need to eat healthy and have a good lifestyle that um, allows a healthy overall body, and then your skin will also look good, <clears throat> and then these pills might have an effect, but probably you don't even need them if you have your healthy overall lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you again have to look at the data behind those pills. I don't know if, if the, there's a lot of data out there that are really correlating the gut and the skin and what is really happening there. That's so. But this is something we would do with the certification for supplements. We would look at the data that are available and see if it's really meaningful. And then those that are meaningful, that they have good data, they would get the certification and then they can again uh, be distinguished from those that haven't, that don't have good data.
0: Yeah, I mean, so we've spoke a lot today about um, gut health, so gut microbiome, you know, skin, um, but we've obviously, been seeing a lot um, of hype. Um, And it's not actually hype, it is very correct, actually, which is caring for your scalp. But more importantly, your scalp microbiome. So you've mentioned um, earlier about a lot of products, it's very hard to get kind of microbiome friendly products in shampoo because of the the foaming elements to it. Um, Do you think that's going to become the next big focus for the industry? Or actually, is it more going to be on the supplement? end, like you've just kind of mentioned?
1: Well, it's both, I think. But the scalp has been here now for a while already. Mm. Scalp microbiome and the awareness that the scalp microbiome or healthy scalp is actually key for beautiful, shiny hair. So that is something that is uh, now catched up by the industry and they're working on it very intensely. And we also have a lot of or some clients that really do um, pioneer work there. Mm. For example, um, K18 or Nutrafol. Yeah. Yeah, and um, they are really focusing on scalp uh, health and uh, on the the molecular um,
0: structures of it. Yeah, is there anything in particular that you've learned, kind of working with creatine or any of your other clients around scalp health that um, is a bit of a, a no-brainer that people should be doing? Uh, well, um, yeah, I think a no-brainer
1: I, I wouldn't say a no-brainer because uh, that's everyone's personal decision but uh, dyeing the hair for example probably does a lot of damage to the scalp uh, health mm. and this is something I would try to avoid if possible but I understand completely if someone wants to dye the hair mm. Or, um, but of course um, yeah it's something that uh, is recommendable and I think everyone could do it so, so ju- just wash less to not wash the hair every day and try to like extend the periods between washing and it's some kind of hard work because you have to go through a period of oily hair but then it's getting better so this is something I would recommend for a healthy scalp to use less products and um, yeah and I I learned something uh, from with Nutrafour because they have a lot of science for alopecia Mm. and they have a dead ingestibles but also no shampoos and serums and so on. And um, also alopecia is
0: very um, related to the microbiome. And uh, you could- Alopecia. Yeah. Alopecia is yeah. a really interesting one actually when it comes to hair loss, because it's is not just on your scalp, is it? It's your entire body. So that really does, that, that really is challenging with, with when the microbiome's outer out of kind of, out of kilter, so to speak, isn't it? Um, What, this is a really hard one, but it's quite broad. What's been the biggest misconception that you've kind of heard or, or come heard about the role of microbiome within the beauty and health category?
1: Mm, well, yeah, that's actually a tricky question. So I think that we already discussed this, is that, that the overclaiming is the biggest misconception in my eyes, that um, uh, claims are out there based on either some specific ingredients, they because they seem to do something on the microbiome or to to adjust only the ph or just use uh, less of ingredients and then claim to do something without having real data behind it and then of course the other the biggest misconception is uh, to improve the microbiome with products so that would from my point of view would be the biggest concern
0: yeah, I definitely think as well after talking to you today, it's it's even more apparent that topically there isn't like a, a single answer for incru- improving that microbe. It's a colony, right? There are so many different elements and therefore it has to be that holistic, yeah. holistic process. Um, how do you how do you see the industry standards for kind of the category that, that you work in changing over the next five years? Well,
1: for the beauty industry, but also for other industries, uh, something I expect and I already see kind of happening is that it will turn uh, 180 degrees towards becoming microbiome friendly. And something that we also see is that, um, yeah, we work with more and more really big companies that are uh, becoming aware of this topic and they know they need to kind of change their portfolio. And something we also see is that um, there's an increasing interest in microbiome-friendly ingredients. So a lot of ingredient suppliers are now working with us. And um, overall, I would say that the microbiome is not a trend only, but it's gaining momentum and it's here to stay and it will completely shift the way of thinking uh, in the whole industry.
0: Mm. One, of the, um, one of the things that I've been talking about a lot with the team as of late is that we're seeing... a seeing seen a massive shift in the beauty industry um where brands in the beauty space are actually focusing more and shifting towards a wellness approach um and actually what you're saying around the ingredients even from a manufacturer's point of view it all kind of aligns where the the simpler the ingredient the cleaner the ingredient and the more naturally based so less preservatives less chemicals less everything else um the the more everyone's bodies are responding positively to them and just generally helping have a better quality of life. Um, So I think that's a really interesting shift, particularly when you're saying where you think it will go from a microbiome point of view, but I absolutely agree. It's a far more holistic way of looking at it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, cosmetics and health is now closer together than before. Like, like, yeah, it's more coming together. And as you said, the holistic view and... It's not only beauty, it's wellness and it's health, healthy skin. And um, as you said, also, that is something that I learned that ingredient is not ingredient, even if it has the same name, it can be very different. It might be a very pure, very clean, as you said, or there's a lot of other contaminants in it that we don't see as a customer. And that might be sometimes differentiates a very cheap product from a more, uh, uh, yeah, a more expensive product not always so
0: but this is one reason why products are sometimes more expensive because the ingredients formulations. are formulations mm, absolutely um so there's one last question that we always tend to ask um which is if you could give one piece of advice to the people listening today based on what we've spoken around which is obviously predominantly microbiome within your body what would it be
1: well um i would uh, say that uh, think about your mic or have your microbiome in mind with everything in life you do and every decision you make on a daily basis uh, will also impact your microbiome so think about it and uh, try to live as um, healthy as possible that you will feel better
0: Thank you so much. I have absolutely loved talking to you today, Kristen. So it's been so, I've, I felt I feel like I know so much more about microbiome, particularly the external side. And now I'm definitely going to think about where I spray my air freshener when my food is out on the side. But thank you so, so much for your time today. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed talking about this. If you have any more questions, please do get in touch at podcast at com. Um, I'm your host Hannah Cook and I really look forward to seeing you next time, take care.